saved by faith, if you're a Christian, uh, if you've come to Christ by faith and asked him to forgive you of your sins and you've been born again, the Spirit of God resides in you, then you're a child of God. Children of God live by faith. Everything we do is by faith. It, our whole salvation began with faith. When you prayed for Christ to forgive you, you prayed in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So he exists, that's a fact, that he rewards, that's his character. He's there and he's good. He's there and he rewards. And what does he reward? He rewards faith. We pray by faith. We read the Bible by faith. We pray before we eat, hopefully, by faith. We get up every day by faith. We go to bed at night by faith. When you wake up in the morning, God lets you do that. And you live another day by faith. And one day the trumpet's going to blow. He's going to come back. And we're going up by faith. By faith. We live by faith. The righteous shall live by his faith, the prophet said, and the just shall live by faith. And so I started this series last week on the uh, Faith's Hall of Fame, because Hebrews 11 is called the Faith Chapter. Uh, why? Because it highlights 15 people who saw something incredible because of faith who had breakthroughs because of faith, answers to prayer, deliverances, healings, all kinds of things by faith. And it also names a, a little group of people, maybe not a little group, maybe a big group, called others. We don't know who they were, but they didn't get the deliverances. They didn't get the um, breakthrough. They died in faith in very difficult martyrdom circumstances. But if you're talking about the ones that had incredible breakthroughs or those that just walked through the fire to the very end, they all did it by faith. Whether he takes you out or carries you through, it's by faith. So today we're going to talk about, if you're going to talk about faith, you got to talk about Father Abraham, who had many sons. And many sons had... Some of you were around for that song. Now, if you're going to talk about somebody that walked in faith in the Old Testament, Abraham was the trailblazer. Abraham was the first one to be declared righteous by faith. I got to take two weeks to deal with him. You cannot do the story of Abraham justice in one week. Next week, I'm going to talk about the, the great test of his faith to offer up his son. He didn't do it. But it was as good as if he did it. And I'm going to talk about that next week. When God requires the most precious from you, and by faith you do it, and well, all kinds of things happen because you did that, that are good. But today I'm going to talk to you about three aspects of Abraham's faith. Let's just read one verse, Hebrews 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive, as his inheritance, that's talking about Canaan, the promised land, he obeyed and he went. Now this next part, I want the final part of this verse to hit you. Even though 
He didn't know where he was going. He started walking, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stepped into the unknown. By faith, he so trusted God that he trusted him with the journey and with the destination, knowing nothing about either one. He just started. So, let's talk about Abraham today. Father, thank you for this man of faith, the father of our faith, the one declared righteous by faith first in the Old Testament. Lord, we just pray that you'll build our faith, strengthen our faith. Uh, Lord, help us to mature our faith. Can you pray with me, church, and say, Lord, today, build my faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor, by faith, you're here today. Amen. Now, when you get into the the faith chapter, and we're talking about Hebrews 11, uh, it begins with a definition of faith. It's the only definition of faith given in the Bible. The Bible talks about faith hundreds of times, but it never seeks to define it until here. And here's what it says. This is out of the Living Bible paraphrase, but it just helps you kind of get a grip on what he's saying. Faith is the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. Faith is the assurance that what you're praying for is going to happen. How do you know it's going to happen, though you don't see it yet? You know by faith. But then it's the certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it up ahead. You can't see what faith is going to bring from heaven to earth on your behalf. You don't see it yet, but you know that it's there and you know it's on the way. We don't see heaven, but we know we're going there. How do you know you're going there? By faith. Amen? Because faith is the substance of what you're hoping for, the evidence of things you don't see yet. It testifies that something is there that hasn't arrived yet. It's on its way, but you're not holding it yet. But faith tells you it's as good as there. Amen? Now, we looked last time at the faith of three men. Real quick summation. We looked at Abel, we looked at Enoch, and we looked at Noah. Abel approached God by faith. Enoch walked with God by faith. And Noah obeyed God by faith. And if you missed last week's message, I would get it. Look it up on our website in the archives. It's it's all there. And uh, catch up with us because it was a really important foundational message. Now, this time... I am going to talk about Abraham, and I'm going to do it two weeks in a row to do it justice. But I want you to notice three things about his faith. This is what we're going to see today. By faith, he forsook his hometown. So by faith, he left something. By faith, he adapted his lifestyle to God's will. So by faith, he adapted to something. By faith, his life's focus was on the promises of God. So by faith, he focused on something. So say with me, by faith, he forsook something. Thank you, all five of you. God bless you. Let's try that again. By faith, he forsook something. By faith, he adapted to something. By faith, he focused on something. 
This is all the behavior of faith. What he did by faith is how faith acts, how faith manifests, how faith behaves, how it uh, presents itself in the life of anybody walking by faith. So that ought to be true of you and me, that by faith we're forsaking something. We did forsake something, our old life, and moved into a new life. By faith, he adapted to something, so do we. We adapt our lives around the will of God, hopefully, so that we can serve him. And by faith, our focus is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. So first, let's talk about what he did. By faith, he left his hometown. He left something. You know, when God deals with you and me, it it invariably entails walking away from a lesser in order to obtain a greater. Think about that. Uh, God has never dealt with me that that he didn't say, I want you to leave this so that I can give you that. I want you to leave this so you can pursue that. I want you to leave what you consider to be the best, but it's not the best. You just think it's the best. But when you leave something under my leadership and my guidance, you're always leaving a lesser for a greater. Because he never takes us out, but to take us in. He never causes us to leave one place in order to bring us to another place that is better, mightier, greater, and more to be valued. God always leads us from a lesser to a greater. Watch this. Colossians 1, 3, he, he delivered us from the power of darkness. He took us out to translate us into the kingdom of God's dear son. We left a way lesser for a way greater. All right? So this is what Abraham did. He left his hometown. He left his city. He left everything that he knew, everything he was familiar with, everything that he had grown up knowing. He left family, friends, uh, job, house. He left everything. The first word that God ever spoke to him that we know anything about was leave. Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, Abram, before he was Abraham, leave. That's the first word God said to him, leave. Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. And go to the land that I will show you. Leave. I don't know about you, but I heard the gospel. I knew I was going to have to leave some things in order to obtain some things. I had to leave some old friends that weren't good for me in order to get much better new ones. I had to leave an old sinful lifestyle in order to get a much better righteous one. I had to leave constant conflict and torment in order to come into peace and joy. I had to leave one thing to obtain another thing. So the first word that Abraham heard from God was leave. He had no idea where he was going. I want you to catch that. No idea. He didn't know what he was going to experience. He didn't know how he would get there. He didn't know how long the journey was. He didn't know what his lifestyle was going to be like when he arrived. He knew nothing. He trusted God. This man's faith was so strong. He just said, I don't know where I'm going, how long it's going to take to get there, what it's going to be like when I arrive, but I trust your character. So with nothing but the promise of God, Abraham left the comfort zone 
of the city he'd grown up in, and he stepped out in faith. Amen. He had, think about this, none of the encouraging things that we have when we're faced with a major decision, we have, we have several things he didn't have. He had no Bible. He didn't have the Psalms to go to. He didn't have Colossians, Philippians, Corinthians, Hebrew. He had none of that. None of the Bible. It hadn't been written. Moses was centuries away. And Moses wrote, in the beginning, God created. So he had no Bible to turn to to build his faith. None. He had no fellowship with other believers who he could go to and say, hey, I think God is saying this to me. I'm supposed to leave. He didn't have anybody to go to. You know why? Because nobody believed in the God he did. Nobody knew the God he knew. Nobody had heard the voice of the God that spoke to him. Nobody was there in the city of Ur. Can you imagine living in Ur? Where do you live? Ur. (laughs) No, I meant where do you live? No, I mean I live in Ur of the Chaldees. Ur was idolatrous. Ur was steeped in idolatry. They worshipped the moon. There were no worshippers of Jehovah in Ur. None. They didn't know God, worship God. If he had gone to them and said, hey, a voice spoke to me and told me to, to leave, they would have thought he was insane, that he was taking leave of his senses. But he hadn't. The real God had penetrated the dark cloud of idolatry and laid his hand on a man and called him out. Out of the darkness, out of the mist, out of the confusion, a polytheism, many gods, the chief God being the moon. They worship the moon. But by faith, he left. No word, no confirmation, no nothing. By faith, he stepped out on the word of God. Wow. And this is what living by faith sometimes requires, does it not? Oh, yeah. God says, do this, do that, go here, go there. You don't know how God's going to do it. You don't know how it's all going to go down. And yet God said, do it. He never gives you the full picture. He gives you enough to take the next step. All Abraham knew to do was take the next step. And, And God tells you and me, enough for us to take the next step. You take the next step, he gives more light. You take the next step, he gives more light. If you don't take the next step, you don't get more light. We walk by faith. We live by faith. We journey by faith. Our whole life is defined by an upward look, by the upward focus. We look to him. Faith says, step out of your comfort zone and see what God will do. Think about it. Peter didn't know how he was going to walk on water. Jesus just said, come. And Peter stepped out of his comfort zone, the boat, and stepped onto the water. We talk a lot about him sinking. But let me tell you something. For a little while there, he walked on water. Have you walked on water before you sank? I haven't walked on water, but Peter did. Moses didn't know how God was going to deliver, deliver a million people out of Egypt by him just going down there with a staff, a shepherd's crook, and speaking in God's name. But he stepped out in faith and marched down into Egypt and faced the most powerful man on earth with the word of God and said, let my people go. 
And over time, God let them all go a million. They had to be delivered. They were delivered by, not by might, not by power, by the Spirit of the Lord. But Moses walked on the Word of God. The disciples are just fishing one day, and here comes a strange man on the shore of Galilee. and says to Peter, James, and John, follow me. That's it. You know what that meant? Leave. Leave your boat. Leave your job. Leave your family. Leave your familiar surroundings and follow me. They left it all, said goodbye to dad and started walking. And did they not leave a lesser for a greater? Oh, yeah. Now, what's a comfort zone? Just so you'll know, because it's the comfort zone that hangs us up. We, we get stuck in a comfort zone. We don't like our normal everyday, everyday to be messed with. We, we don't like our calendars being changed up on us. We don't want God messing with our stuff or anybody else. Here's a comfort zone. It's where you feel safe. It's where everything is familiar and uh, predictable. I love predictability. I'll admit, listen, I'm a creature of habit. Cindy will tell you so. I get up same way every day, get my coffee, head into the prayer room, read my Bible, pray. You can count on it. You know, my dogs know that about me. They wait for me to arrive to the prayer room. They know where I'm going. All right? We, we like to feel like we're in control. We love our comfort zone. But here's the deal. When God does something new, when God begins to deal with our lives, he almost always interrupts our comfort zone and says, come on, leave. I'm calling you out. I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you to a wider place. But we get very addicted to that comfort zone, and a lot of Christians have squandered away their potential in God, their purpose in God, because they weren't willing to get out of the comfort zone and walk in faith. But listen, God calls you out to call you in. Now, you can make this real simple. He still does it from salvation forward. There's nobody that gets saved that knows, that, that, uh, that doesn't know that they're going to have to leave some things to go on with Christ. And from then on, if he wants you to do a new work, if he wants you to start volunteering in the church, if he wants you to start reaching people, if he wants you to start bearing fruit, if he wants you to take a stand for him, it's always a matter of leaving that comfort zone, that security where we know how everything is and we're familiar with it and stepping into an unknown. God has never done anything in my life that he didn't call me out of a comfort zone. And I had to walk away from what I knew was safe and step into an unknown, unpredictable outcome, unpredictable circumstances. But I had to step. And every time I stepped, something greater happened than what I had been in. Amen. If Jesus had thought, the way a lot of people do, I'm not leaving my comfort zone, he wouldn't have left heaven. How about John Wycliffe and William Tyndale who translated the Bible into English? Both persecuted, martyred for Christ for translating the Bible so we could have it in English. What if they stayed in their comfort zone and not risked their lives to give us the Bible? If the Apostle Paul had stayed in his comfort zone he would not have ended up in prison, persecuted, stoned, and left for dead. But we wouldn't have Romans 
Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, none of his epistles, because all of them are the result of Paul leaving his comfort zone and stepping in faith to the call of God. And if you stop and think about it, the early pioneers, uh, the pilgrims, the Puritans, Columbus, you name it, other explorers, if they had had the mentality of staying in their comfort zone, America would not have been discovered and we would not have become a nation. Somebody took a risk. Somebody left what was comfortable and stepped out. And you and me, we've got to step out. We can't stay with we foreign no more. We can't have that mentality. We've got to go out beyond the four walls. We've got to break out of here and go to the world. Jesus didn't say the world's going to come to you. He said you go to the world. In our own private lives, we've got to decide if God calls me out of whatever my err is, if he calls me out, i got to take that step. i got to trust him. So today, is God calling you to take some step of faith? Has it occurred to you? Has it entered your mind? Is he leading you out? Last year, last couple of years, we've gone into a lot of new ventures that I'd never done before. But God called us out and we stepped out. And now I can tell you honestly, thousands of people have been reached because we left comfort and stepped out. Amen. Now, the second thing I see about Abraham's faith, the way it manifested, is he adapted his lifestyle to serve God's will. Listen carefully to this. He adapted his lifestyle to serve God's will. By faith, he made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country, a stranger in a strange land. He left the familiar for the strange. He lived in tents, not in houses. And so did Isaac, and so did Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Instead of being localized, established in one place, Ur, they became nomadic, traveling. At any given time, they could pick, pull up stakes and move on. So instead of building a house where they would have been frozen and unable to move, they lived in tents so that when God said go, they could pull up the tent pegs and go. They adapted their lifestyle to accommodate the will of God. That's powerful. Abraham and his family transitioned from living in a house to a tent. Now, I'm not saying if you obey God, that's where you're headed. I, but this is an example. The Bible tells us, Paul told us, that God told, gave us these stories, these true narratives from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant times, so that we could learn New Testament truth. The idea is, are you flexible and pliable and movable in the hands of God? When he says, go, is your lifestyle such that you can pull up stakes and go? That you're willing to move? He adapted his lifestyle to accommodate the will of God. That's powerful. Their standard of living changed. Their surroundings changed. We know that Abraham's city, Ur of the Chaldees, was a rich city. The, the economy was humming. They had an incredible trade with other lands and other people groups. Uh, uh, Ur of the Chaldees 
had a population of about 250,000, a quarter of a million people. That was a gigantic city in ancient times. Abraham was living in the hot spot of the world. Yet God said, leave. Now, to the natural mind, it looks like I'm leaving a greater for an unknown. But you never leave one thing under God's leadership that it doesn't turn out you enter into something greater than where you were. But he didn't know that. He just stepped out in faith. And he left a thriving, successful, wealthy city. No doubt about it, he had a house. Matter of fact, they have dug up four residential areas in this in this area of Ur, they've dug up four residential areas there that had one-story and two-story homes. Not like we build. They were adobe made of mud and different building. But here's the deal. They had homes. They had houses. And Abram walked away from all that to live in a tent. He adapted himself to the will of God. There was nothing he wouldn't do to chase the will of God. Boy, did he leave a comfort zone, a security. He knew he was secure there. There in Ur, he met a little girl named Sarah, fell in love with her, married her. And there's no doubt about it. He, he assumed, I'm going to live my life out here. I'm going to make my money here. I'm going to retire here. And I'm going to die from Ur. But then God invaded his space. And call him out to call him in. (laughs) Amen. That just gave me Holy Ghost bumps. I don't know about you, but that just worked on me. Because there have been several times, key times in my own life, where God called me out and I was in a secure place, a very familiar place. And I was certainly going off to an unknown place. But I went. And it always, always blossomed into something greater than what I left. Yep. And not only that, but God came knocking on his door when he was 75. Now I'm going to give some encouragement to all of you who are on in years. Abram was called to his greatest work at 75. Moses began his ministry at 80. So wherever you are in life, it's never too late until you die. Amen. Amen. So to, to Abram's mind, who became Abraham, he was, his, his motto was what Paul told us, don't be conformed to this world. He didn't care what the Joneses thought about what he did. He didn't care about how big the house was that his neighbor came into when he left Ur. He wasn't looking back. He was looking forward. He was looking forward. And he was trusting God. I'm going to take you to Canaan to the promised land, flowing with milk and honey. Just believe me, trust me. I'm going to lead you into something better. He and his family lived in tents, strangers in a strange land, but they were content with that. Now let me ask you, and I'm asking myself this, have I adapted my lifestyle to accommodate God's will? Have you adapted your lifestyle where God could come to you at any time and say, all right, I want you to do this, do that, do the other, go here, go there. This is what I want you to do. Are are you in a place where you can flex and flow and adapt yourself to the will of God? 
Can he call you out? Can he rustle the nest? Can he call you to fly where so far you've only crawled? Can can God get your attention and mine? Do we have ears to hear if he calls us into something greater? Last thing he did, he lived his life with a laser focus on the promises of God. If you went up to Abraham and you had said, what is your primary motivation in life? He would have said the promises of God. I am like a laser focused on the promises of God. I'm chasing after God. I'm in pursuit of God and his will for my life. I care about one thing, not Ur of the Chaldees. I'm not living in the rearview mirror. I'm not looking back there at what I lost. I am looking forward. Listen to what it says. He was looking forward. Everybody say forward. A lot of people live their lives looking backward. If only I hadn't this, if only I hadn't that, if only I had this, if only I had that, if only I hadn't married this person or done that with that person, if only, if only, if only, we live under the tyranny of if only. Instead of, what has God got for me forward? Yes, because it says his whole posture, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now now catch this, everybody. I'm coming to a close, but I want you to catch this. This is powerful. God had said to him when he called him out, I'm going to take you to the promised land. That was on earth. I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. That was initially what he left for, that promise, And he lived for that promise. But as he moved on in God, his faith developed and his understanding of what God was doing developed until he understood the promised land is not my final destination. My final destination is not on this earth. My final destination is in the hereafter, not the here and now. My final destination is a city. And God had spoken to him. Remember, no Bible. We've got the Bible. We've got the book of Revelation to tell us what heaven looks like. He didn't. But look at what he understood. The city I'm going to end up in is not on this planet. Its architect is God. And its builder is God. Oh, my. That ought to give you a great big amen. Listen, he said, he said no, no, my fi- the, the final fruit of my faith is not going to be living in Canaan. It's going to be one day I'm going to be with God in a place that he ar- architecturally built, uh, conceived of, and then he himself built it. He says, John describes it. John says, then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. The day is going to come when the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. And heavens and earth, this earth, are going to be done away with. And he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And coming down out of heaven to, to be upon that new earth is this holy city. This holy city where the Lamb is the light. You won't need the sun, you won't need the moon, you won't need flashlights because the Lamb is the light. And there is no more sin, no more devil, no more sickness, 
No more disease, no more sorrow, no more heartbreak, no more pain, no more arthritis, no more cancer, no more heart disease, no more evil, no more temptation. It'll be the holy city whose builder and maker is God. And his eye of faith went from Canaan to ultimately being fixed on that place. His eye of faith was focused on the promises so that he would have amen these words from Paul. We have sufferings now, but they are nothing compared to the great glory that is going to be given to us. So can I tell you today, the final fruit of your faith and mine It's not just to do some good things here on earth and bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and all of that. That's great, but that's for the here and now. The day is going to come when a trumpet's going to blow. Can I talk about it a second? A trumpet's going to blow. And when it does, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Graves all over the world are going to be emptied out. And they will be caught up into the air with glorified bodies given to them instantly. Ashes will become glorified bodies. And those of us who are alive and remain, when that trumpet blows, we're going to be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Where? In that holy city. Now Abraham woke up thinking about that, went to bed thinking about that, lived his life, towards that, expecting that, anticipating that, and he died in faith, knowing that day was coming for him. Can we stand together today? I read something amazing. I read that uh, churches all over the West will no longer, many of them will no longer talk about uh, Jesus returning and the saints being caught up. They won't talk about it anymore. They'd rather tell you how to get rich. God wants you rich. Have a big house. And that God came to give you this and that and the other material things. Or how you can be a success in life. You want to be a success? Let me tell you how to be a success. And I'm going to close. You serve God with all your heart. You bow to his will for you. You leave what he tells you to leave. So that you can gain what he wants you to gain. You adapt your life to his will. And when he calls, you obey. And you live with your eye peeled on the promises. And I don't care if you uh, die, if you leave this planet with two pennies in the bank. You are rich. You are a success. You are a success. So can we lift our hands to the Lord today? Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you for the testimony of Abram, who became Abraham, the father of our faith. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the grace to embrace your call, your purpose for us. 
Thank you for helping us to flex and flow and shape our lifestyle around your will. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to stay focused on what's ahead and not what's behind us. Thank you, Lord, for what you have for us ultimately in the holy city. Because there is a city. The streams whereof make glad. There is a city God has built. And can you pray with me, church, and just say this. Just say, Lord, today, help me to leave what I need to leave, to gain what you want me to gain. Help me to adapt my lifestyle to accommodate God's will, that I would be flexible, callable, and help me to not live in the regrets of the past, but in the promise of what's coming. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now with our heads bowed, you can say, Pastor Jeff, I needed this today. This was for me. This spoke to me. I want you to raise your hand and say, I received the word of God. I received God's word. Listen, if it spoke to you, a man said to me this week, he said, I started coming to your church and I felt like every time I walked in, you knew what I was going through and, you, and it spoke right to me. And I said, that's not me. That's God's word. It speaks right to you. Right to you. But I believe that today is a defining moment in some of your lives. Maybe you need to make a fresh commitment to Christ in your life. Give your life to him. Do it now. While you're still breathing. While you still can. Do it now. Maybe you've never been saved. You can do it now. Do it today. Don't wait for another day. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. So I want us to bow for one more moment of prayer. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And I don't know who this is for. I don't know who God is calling right now. But I want you to pray with me. Here's what I'm going to pray. A simple prayer of salvation. And a simple prayer of returning home to Jesus. And living in the epicenter of his will. Leaving what you need to leave obeying him where you are in your life right now, focusing on the promises, not just sitting on the premises. So pray this with me. If you need to, you know it. Pray it with me. Say, Lord, today, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sin and come into my heart, Lord, I place my faith in you as my Savior, my Lord, from this day forward. And Lord, forgive me for drifting. I want to come home. I want to be in the center of your will. I want to walk like Abraham walked. And I want to chase after God's purpose for me. So Lord, grace me now. 
I come home to you. Forgive me and receive me. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed just for a moment longer, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed one of those two prayers with you. Would you put your hand up in the air? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. But put your hand up in the air. I see you, I see you. Lots of people. Lots of people, several people. If your hand is raised, even way back in the back, if your hand is raised, look at me. Just those of you that hand, as soon as I let this service go in a minute or two, I'm asking you to come down and let me meet you. When everybody else is going out this way, come down and let me meet you. I want to give you something. It's very important that I give you something to take home with you that I wrote just for you and a couple of other things in a little goodie bag, okay? So with your hands raised, I want you to come down as soon as I dismiss and let me meet you. Will you do that? We got a deal. Even way back in the back. If you're with somebody, they'll wait for you. Don't worry about that. You come as soon as we dismiss, all right? How many of you are glad you came to the house of God today? Amen, amen, amen.